MailChimp presents. Ever heard of a customer? You know, it's when marketers group all their customers, regardless of their different behaviors, into one big mess. But with MailChimp, you can use real-time behavior data to personalize emails for every customer based on their browsing and buying behavior, turning your customers into customers. Intuit MailChimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. Availability of features and functionality vary by plan, which are subject to change. Today's Jump Discussion and Featured Song includes graphic language. Do proceed with caution. The Jump is a podcast where I, Shirley Ann Manson, sit down with musicians and talk about the one song that changed everything. I first met Peaches when we were both performing at a festival in Australia and there was a big banging on the door of my dressing room and when I opened the door, there she was. Smiling from ear to ear, she was dressed in a, like some really pervy kind of horse equestrian outfit. She was wielding a whip. She had on a riding hat. And I don't know, the rest is history. I fell in love with her right there and then. We are absolutely nothing alike, either as artists or as people. And yet, ever since that first meeting, we've enjoyed a bond that has endured for well over a decade. I've had the immense pleasure of spending time in this magical woman's company, and I learn something from her every time I do. She's quite unlike any other artist I've ever met. A bona fide trailblazer, writer, producer, and performance artist, articulate and courageous. Some might even say on occasion, outrageous, but always strikingly generous, genuine, and irreverent. I love her to hell and back, and if you don't already, you will too after listening to this. So before we get to your song that yeah. you've picked for today, what was going on in your life at the time of making yeah. that record, which yeah. is a, is a you know an important record of its time and its genre, and I mean yeah. it, it blew everybody's mind. But obviously that that's all in retrospect that we can look back on that so, and know how how brilliantly it turned out for you. But what where were you in your life and what was happening and what was your mindset? Um, huge change, breakup. You know. Had to basically start my life over again, um, but in the same city, in Toronto. I was like, I'm going to buy this weird instrument, the MC505 Roland. Like when you say a breakup, a heartbreak breakup? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Major, major one. Really long time. Serial monogamist. <laughs> really long one. And um, I had that machine. <laughs> and I would spend a lot of time in my headphones and make sounds. And it was it was a... It was a lot of, like for me, very therapeutic, but I was super conscious of not being therapeutic in a way that was victimizing or, or um, self-loathing. I wanted, to use, I wanted to use it as an empowerment, as a like, fuck you, I'm, fuck you to myself. Like just get, you know, don't, you can, you can lift yourself up and you, in a cool way, you know? First of all, I heard um, Daft Punk's first album, I think 95 maybe. I think it's 95. And, um, and I heard like Scratching and Rolling, which is just like, it's just a repetitive sort of really 
kind of abrasive uh, electronic thing but I loved it I was like oh my god electronics are rock and roll like because I had this love for rock and roll but I wanted electronics but I always saw people with their you know they they treat it like it was science their heads would be down like I'm doing something really special you know (laughs) and I'm like you know there's a lot of like programming that goes on and then you build it up with but you can really make it fun so I wanted to play a beat or something and turn it and then like screaming people's faces, you know, so kind of put it together. And did you have a template for it or is this something that just emerged from your mindset at the time? In the best way possible, I loved the repetitive directness of hip hop. I loved the energy of rock and roll. And I say it like that because it was like the energy of rock and roll. And then I loved sounds that were new to me, like these, you know, Daft Punk or Kraftwerk, you know, things like that. And I was like, how can I make it mine? How can I make it lyrically speak to me? How can I, you know, bring them together? Because this is what I want and I don't hear it anywhere. And were you working at this time? Did you have a job? Yes, I did. You ready for a big? Yes, I want the reveal. Well, so the reveal. (laughs) I can tell by the look in your face. It's a silly story. uh, (laughs) I um, had a job at a daycare. And um, I developed some this kind of program where I would sing songs that were active, activating movements from these very young three-year-olds and four-year-olds and basically putting them under a weird spell that the teacher's like, what the hell is going on here? Why are they listening to you? <laughs> Why when you walk in a room does everybody sit in a circle and know exactly where their space is and then get ready and then, you know... Because it's all role-playing. That's what kids want to do. So then it turned out, like, I developed this program where I would teach kids. It was kind of half theater, half music. And then I started teaching at, like, private schools, you know, because I didn't have a teacher's degree. Uh And um, after-school programs and, like, then getting into, like, mom and babies, like, clap your hands, little baby, you know, like, (laughs) like, I did all that stuff. Like, And then I make music at night. I did that for 10 years. That's incredible. And I learned a lot about uh, audiences because kids, if they don't like you, they're just like, pull your hair and jump on you and you have no control, you know. Because, well, let's get to, get to the yeah. song itself. And, you know, because I'm immediately, as you're telling this story, I'm yeah. immediately thinking about yeah. the beats of Fuck the Pain Away. Yeah. Killer groove, you know, where you're just immediately like, what the hell is this? So talk to me about how you put the rhythm track together on this song. I was playing around with the uh, MC505, and I was really, it was naive. It was super naive. The first couple of songs I ever wrote were all 120 BPM because I didn't even know how to change the BPM on it. Amazing. (laughs) How it works on this machine is um, you have each track, you have eight tracks, and one is the rhythm track, and in the rhythm track you have eight possibilities so you're kind of limited and i like that because then you can you know when to stop i like every sound to be as loud as each other (laughs) so that you know they have a reason to be there i'm not like super subtle with these like underneath you know so i was playing around with the sounds and i had a gig opening up for uh, my friend howie beck in a small club in toronto called the rivoli and there was probably like 15 people there and the first song, I just thought, I'm going to try out this song. And I, I remember I'm like, yeah, fuck the pain away, okay? I'm going to I'm gonna say that. I was kind of like just trying out, and I just 
oh, I'll just try it out tonight. First song, and I just start playing the beat. I did the whole song. And one person in the middle of the song went, woo! I was like, oh, my God. Somebody liked it. Someone got it. You know, I didn't even really know what I was doing. But at the end of the whole gig, the sound woman said, hey, I, I made a cassette tape of your your show. And if you have five, you know, five dollars, you can have the cassette. Maybe you want to listen, you know, what you're doing because it's pretty different. You know, I'm like, yeah, thanks. Okay, yeah. Holy shit. And so um, I went home and listened, and, you know, that's the first song on it. And I put it on um, on a demo, you know, with a couple other songs I was working on. So the cassette tape from the first time I've ever played Fuck the Pain Away, and I would play it for people, and they go, what the fuck, that's amazing. It transcended anybody talking about, oh, the vocals are a little loud, or like, oh, yeah, maybe you should use this, but or any of it. There's like a bunch of hiss on it, and... You can hear that person in the background going, woo! Yeah. And um, so I'm like, it ain't broke, don't fix. I am never recording this song again. Calling me all the time, that Bondi. Check out my Chrissy behind, it's fine all over the time. What else is in the teachers of peaches? Like sex on the beaches. I was giving homage to like, Debbie Harry and Chrissy Hind. So I just wanted to play it live. I wanted it out there. I mean, I did not know. I didn't, I did, yeah, no idea. I wasn't young either, you know. How old were you? When, like 32 at, for writing these songs. Which is like all these these two, are you aware that these two singers that you mentioned here were both in their 30s when they yes. two broke through? Yes. I, that, I'm glad you mentioned that. It's funny because I didn't at the time. Or maybe I did it. It's around that time I was like, wow. Yeah. But see, what I loved about those lyrics, hearing you for the first time, I mean, you literally stopped everything. It felt like the world stopped when I heard this for the first time. And what it felt to me was a new sound, a new woman coming out and name checking the old guard. Yeah. But it made it really seem like it was a statement of intent, like this is new school. That's mm-hmm. what it felt like right. to me. Now, whether I'm right or wrong is irrelevant. That's just was my experience. Yeah, but that fits in what I was saying. Like, I really want to make something new in mine. Growing up with uh, these misogynist lyrics, especially with classic rock, <laughs> that I would just sing along with and be like, one day I was just like, why? What? I, I'm singing along with these, like, big-legged woman ain't got no soul and, you know, spread your wings and let me come inside you. Like, it's not, why am I singing those lyrics? What if I flip it? What would I sing, you know? Is it fair to say that you had a very conscious approach to writing these lyrics, even though they seem so tossed? That's the, that's the this was genius really, of them. This was really, yeah, in, in that way, it was sort of like thinking about that and, and writing, but this just came out. That eureka moment, you know, when you're like thinking about it, but then when you don't really think about it, it, it comes out. And did you have any idea that people would receive oh my this? God, the way that are you cra- like, what if I didn't take? What if I was like, I don't have five dollars. <laughs> I-U-D-S-I-S, stay in school because it's the best. I-U-D-S-I-S, stay in school. But I think what's really interesting is there was a lot of like when there was still record execs and things like that. And they were like, 
let me play you something. They play, <laughs> girl, if you want to make it, Enough. you got to be. <laughs> let me play you some peaches, but only 20%. Be 20% peaches. You know, like that. So many people told me that, like, they went in for meetings and they'd be like, just be a little more peaches. Not too much, but a little peaches, you know. So it became it became like, like this reference and, um, you know, and then pop stars started referencing they sure did. me. And I was like, oh, my God, I am that angst song when you decide to be your own person. Did it aggrieve you at all that... You know, you were you still at that time were seen as very underground, yeah. you know, alternative star that then all these young pop ingenues sort of took a, li- a, a little 20%, 20%, 20% peach <laughs> um, and used it to their advantage without always name checking you or it, sometimes it felt like they didn't even know who you were, but they were definitely. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah. It's like what? some people, you know, you Did that hurt? Them. Annoy? I, you know what? I can't say I'm not bitter about things, or but no, it was really, it was like, that's crazy. You mean because you entered the mainstream sort of consciousness? Yeah, and I, w- and I would for years to come with that song in movies and in TV programs whenever they needed to insert that kind of punch, you know, like... Well, you wrote something perfect that will endure forever. Well, there was one... Um, I don't remember the name of the conglomerate that's like, um, you know, quite a corporate strip club. And I remember well, I have a friend. She was a stripper and, you know, songwriting at the t- same time. And um, they had a meeting once before all the girls, you know, would uh, strip. And they were like, no more peaches track one, which is fuck the pain away. That it's alienating the men. No more peaches track one. So why do you think that is? Why would it alienate it was just the too, men? It was just too strong. Real. Yeah. Which I don't think. I, I find that bizarre. But I, I guess. I like it though. It's a good yeah, story. Oh no, I like it. It's no. fair to say that you are not a particularly crazy person. You are definitely. Yeah. Uh, what's the word I would use? You're sort of very free minded. Yeah, but you don't try and act crazy or wild or no. or trying to out spook people or out sex people, right? right? But people think that that's that's how I should be, or <laughs> and it's it's disappointing to them. It's so disappointing. Do you feel like you're disappointing some people? Sometimes my 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 the side of me that needs to, um, you know, please people, but you know. I also don't want to perpetuate that, you know, so. But you are a really, I think, an incredibly courageous performer and a musician. examining the sort of language that is used and saying how can I make it mine because it just felt like it wasn't represented but uh, if it was on a male side and I do want to mention that it was very much binary thinking at that time female male you know like but why is the line different the line was different for what a man could say and what a woman could say 
are you saying you were naturally thinking along binary lines or were you not you just didn't have the language? I didn't have the language, yeah. yeah. You know, just adding more more spectrum. That's all. People don't understand, I think, when, when people are writing music and when they're recording and producing the key really is to know when to just let something fly. And yeah. not everybody has that skill. And that generally differentiates the sheep from the goats. Yeah, and I think that um, that's what Teachers of Peaches was all about, too. Because I, I kind of decided not to use use a producer. or I was like, why don't I just do this myself in my bedroom, you know, and just... Just really take time to use whatever sounds I want and make them as stark as I like, you know, in that way that punk rock is, there's not very many instruments, you know, it's like a guitar, not really solos, a bass, drums, and a singer, you know, Mm -hmm. so I was like, I want to use that approach. I also wanted to make sure that I wasn't singing on that album. Because I didn't want to, I also didn't want to be seen as a singer and I didn't want it to overshadow the lyrics. I made the conscious decision to be very deadpan and double all the vocals. The double vocal, just that was the magic for me. Somehow that made the kind of robotic, but emotional. Now explain why you wanted it to be deadpan and not, you know, showy offy vocal. I wanted it to be vulnerable. What? the pain away. I was in Toronto, and then there was like Tracy in the Plastics and um, La Tigra and Miss Kitten, and it was this same kind of philosophy where it was like this punk attitude with, you know, not always deadpan vocals, but these kind of female powerful front vocals and a performance involved, especially with Chicks on Speed and La Tigra. But it wasn't a scene. I'd play and people would be like, hey, have you heard La Tigra? You know? And I'd be like, no. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, Bikini Girl. I'd be like, yeah. You know, or hey, have you heard of Chicks on Speed? I didn't even know. Like, I didn't know them. It was so exciting. I loved this zeitgeist feeling that all these women were doing this, that women were in the forefront of this movement. Were you aware, though, that you were being controversial to a certain degree? Or were you aware that, oh, I might not get to ever get my track played on the radio because what I'm doing is pretty alternative. And of course, back then, nobody was playing this kind of stuff on the radio ever. I mean, it was a surefire way to guarantee that your career went nowhere. Right. But I was like, uh, maybe I'll be like the cramps. You know, that's what I was interested in. You just took the risk anyway. Yeah, I was like, I like what the cramps do. Like, that's cool. (laughs) <laughs> they weren't on the radio, you know. And it's remained that way throughout your career, except yeah, you yeah. have garnered more and more respect. It's kind of like, I feel so vindicated, not that I needed to be, but that it's so exciting, you know, that because um, I, was, I was like, yeah, I'm not ever moving towards the mainstream. I want the mainstream to move towards me. And it kind of happened. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Don't it, mess it, with Peach. They didn't really want me, uh, you know, they wanted 20% or whatever. And I didn't really want that. And uh, so I just worked a lot. I just kept working. I'm glad you did. Me too. 
I'm really grateful you did. And I'm very excited to see where you go next. Thank you. I love you so much. Thank oh, you I love so you much. Too. <laughs> Thank you so much. The Jump is an original series from MailChimp, and I'm your host, Shirley Manson. It's produced by Lyra Smith in partnership with Little Everywhere. Executive produced by Dan Gallucci, Jane Marie, and Rushikesh Hirway. Original music composed by Rushikesh Hirway. 